It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 14th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Get ready for this big homestand for the Orlando Magic after the loss Monday to the Washington Wizards. And we're at a bit of a turning point in the season. We're past that, that mythical 12-game mark of last year. We're getting ready to enter a big stage a couple weeks into the season. I, th- I think it's time to bring in our, our sort of, I guess, fan correspondent. I, I don't really know what to call, call you, but let's bring in <laughs> Stuart Hodge here to further discussion about the Magic here at this early stage of the season. Stuart, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Phil. It's good to be back with you. I've missed our little chats. We did such a comprehensive job in the off-season, though, that I think now we had to leave it a little while into the regular season before we got back down to business. So, yeah, I think it's long enough has transpired now that there's maybe a few fresh things to talk about. 
And I must admit, it feels just a little bit different this magic season for me. And uh, for people that haven't heard us sort of do this before, essentially what I do is turn the tables on you a bit, don't I? I ask the questions to you that you sometimes sort of ask yourself and you respond to fan, que- fan questions. But what I try to do is I try to sort of really drill down into the nitty gritty of it. And I think part of that is I work as a journalist myself. So there, there's obviously that fact that I like to ask, it basically put you on your toes a bit, let's see. I don't. I don't mind that. I'm a good dancer. <laughs> that's all right. I can do a jig, but that's about it. Yeah. So uh, why? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're we're now uh, 13, 14 games into the season. It, it, it's not a a huge sample size. Uh, it's not uh, not you know. I don't think anything's set in stone for this team, but we do have a good idea of how this this team is going to play and and, and what this team is going to look like. So. You know, I'll turn the tables over over to you, Stuart. What 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 do you, what do you have for me? Yeah, um, I think you're right, Phil. It's we can't see anything for certain now. It still feels like a bit of a transitional season, but we've got enough evidence there now to give us somewhat of a barometer as to where and what the magic are, which is essentially why we're doing this today. Now, let's just start off with a few general reflections then. So, if you were to identify three key reasons that we should be positive so far. What would those be? I, you know, I, I think entering the season, there were probably like 10 or 12 things the Magic needed to go right for them to have sort of a path to the playoffs. And, and not all of them have gone right, but but I do think Orlando's once again getting solid individual play from several key players. Um, the number one positive that, I, that I've seen so far is, is something in, in the last really week, week and a half, has clicked with Aaron Gordon, where he is playing mm. a really unselfish... Uh, brand of basketball he's playing within the offense. He's producing, obviously, because of all that, or, or through all that. Um, but he isn't doing a lot of the things that, that had a lot of Magic fans, I think, frustrated, especially toward the end of last season. His numbers are starting to come around. He's finding ways to impact the game even when he's not scoring. So I, I think he's really taken on the leadership role that the Magic have needed uh, and, is, and is playing a really strong style of basketball. I think Steve Clifford's even said it. It's tough for me to get him to, to take him off the floor and give him the rest that he needs. I mean, I think he played the entire second half against Washington on Friday. Um, yep. You know, played really well last night in his first game back for, after spreading his ankle. He's been really, really good. And, and you know, I, I, there, there are moments where I, I've kind of turned to myself watching him and say, if he keeps playing like this, he's an all-star, no doubt in my mind. Um, mm. and, and that's really encouraging to see from him because I know a lot of people wanted to see him take uh, another step this year, and, and that's that's been a big deal. Um, the other thing I would say is is one of the other captains, Nikola Vujovic, is playing some of his best basketball of his career. Um, probably Absolutely. playing his most consistent defense of his career to this point. Uh, and uh, I know a lot of fans uh, are critical of him uh, in, in many ways fairly um, and, and are quick to try and say, oh, they need to move him out. You know, Mo Bamba's the future. But if the Magic are going to find any success in this season, Nikola Vujovic is still a big, big part of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, I mean, it almost creates a problem in terms of if you're looking at it in a long-term slant because you want to give Bamba the minutes that he needs to develop as much as he can, especially maybe in a season which we, I think we'll come to this, but but it's maybe not a season where we're necessarily looking at the number of wins as much as the, the where we are in the developmental curve. But uh, with Vucevic playing the way he is, you, you can't take him out of the team. He's the fulcrum of the offense. That That's the key thing. And when it comes to what you were saying about Aaron Gordon, 
I think that's another good point. I was really interested to hear early on in the season when he said it was almost like Coach Clifford had just taught him the value of boxing out. And if you notice the way that he's snagging down rebounds and really attacking that glass, on both ends it has to be said, uh, especially when it comes to putbacks and, and stuff like that in the offensive end, we're seeing a different Aaron Gordon. We're seeing Aaron Gordon not necessarily just trying out his game, but evolving into the, the sort of fully-fledged beast that we, we hoped he could become, combining that athleticism and versatility that he has shown in the past. So yeah, good areas to be positive there, but we have to also look at the other side of the coin. What major concerns do you have about the Magic at the moment? Is there, there are two or three main points where you're thinking, mm, that's not exactly the way I would like it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this team is still coming together, so I don't want to completely write them off defensively, but but the defense has been inconsistent. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I've said this several for several years now as the Magic have, 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 ex- have changed coaches seemingly at will. Um, at this point, if, if they're not buying into what the coach is selling them, it, that's on the players. I mean, the Magic have changed coaches so many times, and if, if they can't execute defense consistently, that's really a, an indictment of the players at this point. Um, yeah. You know, I think that, especially early in the season, it's been less apparent lately. Um, the Magic haven't had the attention to detail that they need to succeed. I mean, this this team has a very small margin for error. They don't have that that breakout offensive guy. Their offense is going to struggle. They don't have a lot of shooting. Um, their their path to win games is very very narrow, and and if they're not paying attention to the game plan, if they're not uh, playing with int- with the right intensity and focus, they're gonna get they're gonna get blown out. They're gonna get embarrassed like they did against the Clippers, like they did against the Bucks, like they like they did against the Hornets even. Although I think mm-hmm. that game was a little bit different. Um, but it really, it, they they've improved on this mark. They're playing a lot better, but but that little bit is still kind of in the back of the, my head, is saying you know okay. What happens when this team faces some real adversity again? I mean, they're getting ready to, to hit a very road-heavy part of their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens if you know they lose two, three, four games in a row again? Are, are they going to be able to rescue themselves? Are they going to be able to, 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 to still believe in what they're doing? Or are they going to kind of concede the season, which they've done in the past when, when, when things have gotten tough? So um, there, I think there's still a lot of questions about the mental makeup of this team as, as they get through the 82-game schedule. But... So far, they've been able to bounce back from that. They've been able to refocus. They've been able to respond, and and that part's good. But you know, still overall concerns. And of course, this team's offense is going to be bad. Uh, they're they're going to be nights where they just can't they just can't hit shots. They can't score. I mean, they're not the worst offense in the league anymore. They're, they they've turned a little bit of a corner there. They figured some things out, but it's still going to be a, a really difficult journey for this team without without an offense that 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 is uh, good to, to say yeah best. yeah yeah it's quite frightening to think just how bad the the second unit would be if it wasn't for the way Terence Ross has been playing because yeah been so so reliant on him uh, and, I, and I'm curious and I'm curious at that at that too how much things would have changed or how much things will change when Jonathan Isaac is back because um, at the beginning part of the season, uh, Clifford was running Aaron Gordon with that second unit. And those lineups with Gordon, with the second unit guys, were really successful. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that was a good group. And so I, I imagine that he couldn't play Gordon with Isaac or couldn't play Gordon in that group with Isaac out because he needed the scoring punch with the starters or he needed Gordon to play a little bit longer with the starters with, without Isaac there to kind of pick up the slack. Um, I, I'm curious it, when Isaac comes back, and I, I suspect it'll be Saturday at the latest for Isaac, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't have any information on that, but but it's it's starting to sound like he'll be back um, sooner than later. Um, 
I imagine that when Isaac returns, we might see Gordon back with that second unit to give that group a little bit of an offensive boost, which they need. Yeah, they absolutely do. But I think, I mean, the offense is going to tank some nights. We we do know that. But the key point that sort of emerged from what you were saying for me was the idea that we need to be locked in absolutely every night because the margin for error is so small. And the one the one performance where it was wholeheartedly apparent that the team were just phoning it in, to be honest, was, was the Pistons game. And one thing that struck me, and we're just about to come on to talk about coach... The, the way Steve Clifford reacted after that, he basically held the team to account. He said, this is not good enough. You've, it, we will not accept this level because you cannot play like this in the NBA. And just how hard-hitting his comments were and then the response over the next few games and the bounce that we saw after that, I think that shows that the Magic are... I think that shows that there's a different level of expectation, if not necessarily in terms of execution and and consistency of offense or anything like that. There's a different level of expectation when it comes to just being a professional and and, and the players being held to account. Surely that's a difference from, from what we've seen in previous years. At least it seems discernibly so for me. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the way I took that that Steve Clifford press conference was not just a a rebuke of the players, um, and, and certainly I think the players took it that way, and, and, and I'm sure he, he had statements very similar that he said directly to the players, but to say that publicly in the way that he said it, it was also a little bit of a rebuke of the fans of the media, and I'll admit I'm, I'm a little bit guilty of this. Um, he was kind of just saying, I mean, the, the person who asked the question was the Orlando Magic's beat reporter, essentially, OrlandoMagic.com's beat reporter, and, you know, God, love, God, you know, John Denton is is great. He's, he's good at his job. He is there to ask kind of softball-y questions. And, and yeah, the course. question that he was essentially asking was, can you take solace in you did this well? And, and Steve Clifford pretty much said, no. We have to raise the expectations for these guys everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, you know, there are no moral victories. We have to win basketball games. And these guys are good enough to do it. Um, and, 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 and I think what was really important about that press conference is it, it changed. Certainly it, it was a statement to the players to say, you know, you've got to be better. You've got to perform at a better level because I know you can perform at a better level. And he's, he's kind of holding them to that expectation. But he's also telling me and the media, everyone in the media that, you know, quit treating this team with baby gloves. You know, this yeah. team is good enough to win. He's telling fans, you know, I know some of you are already ready to, to throw the season out, you know, 10 games in, but don't. This team is good enough to make the playoffs. Treat them like it is. Hold them to account on that end. And, you know, raising those, I mean, I don't think we've had a coach, you know, maybe Scott Skiles did, you know, Frank Vogel said yeah, he believed it was a playoff team, but no one's really said it that forcefully, even to the people around the organization, in the organization's orbit, outside the organization, to say, you know, treat this team like it could succeed, like it could, like it could play its expectations, and and that is honestly a huge cultural change because, you know, mm. I talk to plenty of Magic fans. I'm in the media. I'm I'm guilty of it sometimes of finding silver linings when when there are some. And you know, I'm a positive guy. I do like to try and find good things to hang on to, out of losses. Um, but the bottom line is, this is about wins. This is a zero sum game that you have to win or lose. And I think a big part of the cultural change the Magic want to want to take care of now is to change that perception that this is a team that's not going to make the playoffs. We're sitting here today on, on November 13th now. The Magic are tied with the Nets for 8th in the, in the East. As much as the Magic have struggled, 
you know, they're right in the race. And, and, and I said this, I think, a few days ago. You know, it's like a golf tournament. You can't win the tournament on the first day, but you can certainly lose it. And, you know, as we're getting through this first quarter of the season, the Magic are right in the race. So now's not the time to be watching, you know, Duke and Zion Williamson and, and Cam <laughs> Reddish and, and, and R.J. Barrett and, it. Yeah. And, and all those guys. It's not that t- – I mean, watch them. They're, they're incredible. But it's not the time to pine for those players. Now's the time to try and win basketball games because, yeah, this team has, has shown that, that yeah, they, they're a little bit different. And if they stick with things, they'll continue to get better. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll be in that race toward the end of the season. We've had some very good wins so far. And I think the, there were a lot of people calling the Magic season after four or five games. And I, I was looking at it and I was thinking, yeah, well, do, do you know what? Maybe it's not been entirely the best start, but I, you can sense something different. And I sensed that there was a different ethos about the way that the guys went out onto the floor. And I think that has been proven over time. And the team's continually confounded because just when you think, oh yeah, that's a defeat against the team that we should really expect to beat. So how are we going to respond to that? We come out against a better team and we put in an improved performance. It seems that things that are going wrong some nights are being improved upon on other nights. And it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be perfect. I think that's just the the nature of where we're at at the moment. But there does seem to be an accountability. I think your point about Coach Clifford is absolutely spot on because normally coaches are doing the opposite. Normally they're imploring the media and they're saying, look, you are giving these guys too hard a time. They're doing this, this and this. And and yet you guys are, are picking on them for, for, for whatever it might be. It's normally the opposite thing. But Coach Clifford's actually saying, he's saying, no, hold on a minute. Give these guys, hold them to account. Tell them that they have a responsibility to ensure that they go out and perform and they play like players for the, the, the Magic should be playing. And I think that's the thing. For the Magic for a few years now, they've been towards the bottom. There, there's been a bit of an element of some teams at the higher end of the spectrum are maybe looking down their noses a bit at the Magic. With Coach Clifford there, I think we're now a team a bit like people said he did with Charlotte where people know most nights, even though the offensive execution might not be perfect, the Magic aren't going to give you an easy game. It's going to be tough. And that's been the main thing that's come across from me in terms of the impact that Steve Clifford has made. But I put it to you, Phil. How pleased are you, firstly, with the impact that he's made since joining the team? How would you grade it so far and why? You know, I I, I think it's still early. I think I think, you know, we're seeing him... Experienced, I think, some of the same struggles that we saw Scott Skiles and Frank Vogel struggle with with this group, um, where he's still getting a feel for what he has. Um, you know, I, I think Clifford. It's going to be really interesting to watch what the Magic do over the next, you know, four or five games, especially when they head out west, um, because you know Clifford, Steve Clifford, kind of said earlier in the year when someone asked about maybe changing up the rotation to spark the bench a little bit, he said, you know, you really got to give a team. 15 or so games to, to really settle in and, and really understand what, what you have. And I think early in the season, you know, the, the Magic played the way they wanted to play and, and struggled a little bit to grasp what he was teaching. And, and, you know, I think Clifford was also at that time figuring out what he had and figuring out how to adapt what he had, you know, now that he had games to kind of see how they really interact with each other. I think he was really at that point getting a sense of who he has. And so I think... Now we're seeing the Magic and, and their players play, you know, play into Clifford's style, but also Clifford adjusting to them, putting them in better positions to yeah. succeed. 
And so I think that relationship is still growing. And I think that that's a little bit why the, the team's gotten off to somewhat of a slow start. Um, but, you know, Clifford, Clifford, I, I really think the way we should judge Steve Clifford this year is, is the way that, that he, I think, judges himself in this season. Yeah. Clifford has said, you know, repeatedly, he wants his team to get better as the year goes on. So team starts, what are they, five and five and seven now or, or, or six and eight, I think. Six and eight, um, yeah. Six and eight. Um, so the team right now is six and eight. Over the next 14 games, maybe he wants to see them get to seven and seven. Over the next 14 games, maybe seven and seven again or eight and six. Um, it, it's, it's, it's about watching how the team gets better and how it progresses over the long term. And I think that's really where we'll see uh, Clifford's worth and Clifford's value uh, to this group. Obviously, there's going to be other elements involved in that. So, so maybe it's not a straight line, but... Um, I think that, you know, considering all the Magic had, all the baggage the Magic have, and, and, and the things they still have to learn as a group, we're seeing the Magic take some important steps. They may, they may be small, they're, they're not super clear yet, but things are beginning to click for this group, and I, I think that's a credit to Steve Clifford, and, and we'll see how much they, they, they can sustain that now that, the, now that they're getting into the meat of their schedule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually I'm, I'm quite glad you you brought up the idea of the record brings me quite neatly on to my next question which is the magic's record so far of six and eight reflective of roundabout how they will finish at the end of the season so win ratio is sitting at four to nine split at home five and five with a couple of extra losses on the road does that sound about par for what we can expect from the ball club going forward this season do you think um you know their 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 six and their six and eight record the 429 win percentage Gets them to about thirty-five wins. Um, I would say that is a a that's on the high end of what I thought at the beginning of the season. Um, that's kind of where I think the Magic will settle in eventually. That they're probably a yeah. mid to low thirty-win team, and that's that's again raise the expectations. They should compete for the playoffs. I expect them to play meaningful games toward the All Star break. I, I think that would be a small but big step for this group to to play with more playoff pressure. Uh, as the season goes on. So to actually sit at the trade deadline and say, do we need to go out and get someone to help us get over the top? I mean, that that, that would be that would be kind of nice. And I don't think that mm. the Magic necessarily will do that. I think their long-term vision is, is a little bit separate than what they're going to accomplish this year. But um, I, I think that, you know, if the Magic can get to 35 wins, get to mid-30s, they'll be in the playoff hunt. They'll be in the conversation. Uh, and, and that would be a really strong season and a place that they can really start growing once again to take to take that next step. And, you know, I'll I'll repeat something Scott Skiles said on on uh, during exit interviews after the season two two three years ago now, um, when the Magic did win thirty five games, he said it's easy to get from twenty five to thirty five wins. It's a lot harder to get from thirty five to forty five wins, and so yeah. that next step is definitely the big one that the Magic did not accomplish obviously uh, a few years ago, and, and would like to just be in that position to try and accomplish again. But you know, who knows? We'll see. See what happens when, when you know, when when things start to when the magic really start to get what they're doing here with Clifford. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's accurate. Another thing that that you point out that's that's quite true. I, I can see as maybe just missing out. I think thirty seven, thirty eight wins could get to the playoffs because you've got to look at how how top heavy the East is at the moment, and and I think that's going to have an impact on the Magic season and especially the other teams that are competing for 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 the lower berths in the playoffs. It's 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 not going to be it's not going to be a team with a positive record that's that's going to get those lower seeds in in the East this year. I I don't think. Um, we're going to come on 
to sort of looking ahead maybe to the trade deadline and the moves that the Magic might make later on. So so, so if you just hold the, that kind of train of thought for now. Um, just want to focus maybe on, on some of the individuals. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. How are you feeling about Mobamba so far? It looks like Luka Doncic has Rookie of the Year sewn up, so, so let's not talk about that. But in terms of the longer development curve there, how positive are you that we've got one of the top players out of that draft class, draft I- class in Mo? I'm I'm really excited and happy about how Mo Bamba is playing. Uh, I know one of the big things that I get from fans uh, early on is, is why isn't Mo getting more shots? Why isn't Mo getting more minutes? And and my response is always, Hey guys, he's playing really really well. Be patient. It, it, this Mo Bamba was never going to be in the running for Rookie of the Year. That's just that's just not where he is developmentally. He was not a player that would make a huge, consistent impact in the way that a Luka Doncic can, because Luka Doncic is essentially a pro. He's not really a rookie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I expect Mo Bamba to be in the rookie game. I, I, I think that, that that's 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 easy to do. Um, it wouldn't... I'd like to see him compete for an all-rookie team, but I'm not going to push that push that narrative, because, um, you know, Mo Bamba is going to develop at his own pace. And, and, and so far, I would say, A, we know that Mo Bamba... Um, needs to put on weight. He's still getting pushed around on the block, and then that's going to affect his defense and his defensive impact. So he's not going to be the full player that we expect. But already we've seen signs of what he can do defensively just with his length. You know, he's studying and learning more how to position himself, how to how to use his length to do something other than block shots. I think his arms are still down too much, and those are habits that he'll need to change as he continues to develop and grow as a player. But the big thing, I think, is that his offense is already better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, his, his jumper is a, is a lot more consistent than I think mm-hmm. we all expected coming in, even after all the videos of, of him making threes. Um, and he is he's making an impact on the floor already, which, which, again, this early, I didn't expect him to have back-to-back 15-point games, to, to be a real consistent option uh, within the flow of the offense. Uh, you know, I, I think I said this yesterday after the game against Washington when someone asked me, why isn't Mo Bamba getting more shots? Why aren't they running more plays for him? And it's like, well, I think the bigger issue is that, yeah, the Magic just weren't in the flow offensively. When when they're in the flow offensively, Mo's going to get his opportunities. But he's still very clearly learning. He's still very clearly a rookie. And so consistency is going to be an issue. But I really like what he's done. Um, I, I think it's telling that, yeah, Steve Clifford has gone to him in the fourth quarter of several games already, of not just true. one game. He's he's yeah. he's ro- he's ridden Mo Bamba a little bit longer because he is making a positive impact. 
And that's really, really, really important for the Magic, to, to have a guy, I have a rookie that's just going to make an impact in some way, help contribute to the team as he grows. And just like the team, Clifford said, you know, Mo's going to look like a completely different player in two months than he does today. And and I think you see signs of that every single every single time he goes out on the floor. Even a game like last night, he's still finding a way to make an impact. And so, you know, is he going to be rookie of the year? No. Is he going to be on the all-rookie team? Probably not in this loaded class, but he's still looking like a very solid pick, a very good guy to have on the team. And, you know, it's just going to come down to how he develops and, and, and how the team surrounds him. I think when you're looking at what, what you're looking for from a modern NBA big, you're looking for someone that can stretch the floor. You're looking for someone that can guard multiple positions. And you're looking for someone that can do the actually the rudimentary center stuff. Mo has shown evidence that he's got the, the versatility and the ability to do all of that. One thing that struck me is how well he actually moves his feet. You made the comment about his arms, yeah. But, I mean, if he was already using that length to its full potential, there's no there's no upward development that you can foresee there. But his feet, was it was an unexpected thing for me. I maybe didn't look into the draft class as much as yourself um, pr- prior to him being drafted. But, but the way he moves his feet in defence, yeah, he's getting pushed around the block, but he knows when to move back from a player so that he doesn't commit a foul. And if he can combine that with using his arms correctly, we've got someone that can actually defend quite well, even in this very offense sort of weighted league in terms of the way that the rules are whistled and, and stuff like that. The other thing, as you say, for, for, for me, is, is that jump shot because it's consistent and it's also unwavering. If he misses a couple, then it's it's not that he's forcing the shot, but he's not scared to go to it when it's the right shot to take. He's also been taking it for the most part when he should be. When yeah, he's been left open, and and the more that he makes of them, the, the less that's going to happen. But that there is so much there to be positive about, and as you say, making an offensive impact already. And even in the the, the sort of short minutes that we've seen of it. The tantalising potential of that B.I.G. lineup is is just something that really, really does excite me. Um, so we've talked about Mobamba, we've talked a bit about Aaron Gordon. Of the other young players, who else do you feel is is sort of really showing that that, that they can offer something? And and I'll, I'll just give you mine. I've been really impressed with the improvement of Weza Wondu. I think he's shown. I mean, the shot is still not. It's still not brilliant. There's other wing players that can shoot more consistently and better than him. But his rebounding and the way that he does all of the dirty stuff, it seems like he's. <clears throat> excuse me. He's the kind of player that I get the impression that Steve Clifford really likes to work with because he's got that sort of hustle and that heart. And then Clifford can show a player like that. This may be limited in some other ways, how to really make the best of the skills that they've got. So the way that he's impacted the game of Weza Wundu has really impressed me. But of the other younger players on the roster, is there anyone else that the, the improvement of has, has stuck out for you? Yeah, and, and, and on that point about Weza Wundu, you do have to really be watching him carefully because the offense just isn't there yet for him. And But but his defense is really good in addition to, to the rebounding and all the dirty stuff that he does. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I say this all the time with, 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 with people, not every player on the floor is there to score. You know, not everyone can have the ball in his hands and be the, the creator. You need a guy that's just going to sometimes stand in the corner and space the floor. And the one who doesn't quite do that, but, but he's looked really good um, in, in the limited minutes he's had. And, and I would like to see him re-enter the rotation after Jonathan Isaac returns. And, and of course, 
that brings me to to kind of the the, the point of the question. It, it's it's easy to forget now because it's been five games since he last played, but Jonathan Isaac looks a lot better than he did last year. Um, there's just a lot more offensive confidence about him. I know we all talk yeah. about that shot that he had against the, the Celtics, where he, um, where you know he hit that he, he hit that bit, he had 18 points that game, hit the big kind of dribble pull up uh, shot with about minute and a half to play, minute to play, that that kind of yeah. sealed that game. That that was a huge moment for him. That took it um, to five points, I think, and that yeah. was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was that. I mean, that that essentially won them that game, um, but. You know, beyond that, Isaac just looks a lot more comfortable and confident on the floor. He's taking shots that he wouldn't have taken last year. And so while, you know, he's not breaking guys down off the dribble, he's not scoring at a high volume yet, you're beginning to see hints that he, he can reach that. Um, but you're beginning to see hints that that he's going to contribute more than just his grit and defense and, and getting out in transition. Um, you know, he's still a really young player. He's still got a long way to go. But you, you see just how comfortable he is on the floor and that's made him a better more impactful player for this team you know and and so you know I think the Magic are you know even though they've been very successful since he went out I do think the Magic are missing something not having Isaac on the floor and, and adding Isaac will make them better um because he's not a bad three-point shooter you know I don't think teams respect his three-point shot quite yet so he's got to burn them he's got to make them make them pay for that um, but he's just a huge difference maker defensively. I mean, I think I think when he returns, if the Magic keep this defensive intensity and defensive level, Isaac's only going to make them better because he is just so big. He knows how to get in passing lanes. He knows how to disrupt offenses. He just makes life very, very hard for opponents. Yeah, he does. And he's a player that, again, the and this is what makes the Magic exciting at the moment, is it's just the, the, the development that's still to come with so many of them. It's quite nice to see Aaron Gordon maybe kind of realising all of that potential that's been there finally. So you then look at players like Bamba and like Isaac and you think, what's going to come? And and that's that's one of the many reasons to be cheerful for me as, as a Magic fan. It's not going to be an immediate payoff, but in the long term, it may well pay off well. Um, just on Jonathan Isaac, uh, the news has emerged um, in, in recent hours that he's going to wear the same kind of ankle braces that helped Steph Curry overcome his early injuries. Now, do you feel there's any reason to be concerned that he's still missing out on a lot of game time? Or do you think that the, the patience will eventually pay off? You know, I, I think that, I mean, there, there are several things that I think about that. Um, A, ankle injuries are random. If you've ever played basketball, and the kind of ankle injuries that Isaac has had are random. Um, if you've ever played basketball, you've sprained your ankle, and it can mm-hmm. be, you know, you know, I've I've sprained my ankle, I've I've broke my foot actually, the exact same way that Isaac has sprained his ankle both times. You know, I went up for an offensive rebound, landed on someone's foot, turned my ankle, and I, you know, I couldn't walk for a week. Um, it happens. Um, is it a little concerning that that Isaac has had these long recoveries? Yes, but at the same time, I think the Magic are being overly cautious about it. Um, they know yeah, that they're playing a long game with Isaac. They, you know, they don't need to throw him out there. It's still early in the season. It, you know, yeah, every game's important, but you know, I, I get the sense that if we were in March and the Magic were fighting for the eighth seed, Isaac would have been out there. Isaac would have been playing already. Um, I, I think that right now it's just about you know we got a long grind ahead of us. Let's not have Isaac at. 80%, 75% where he can re-injure that ankle. Let's make sure he's 100% healthy before we throw him back out there. Um, you know, you know, Aaron Gordon had a sprained ankle, was out there immediately. Maybe there's a little bit more trust with him that, that, that he knows what he's doing. He knows his body a little bit better. 
Um, you know, maybe that trust isn't quite there with Isaac yet. Um, but in either case, I, I'm still very confident that that these injury issues he's had early in his career are more random than recurring. It's not like you know, it's not like it's the same kind of injury. It, it really sounds like the Magic are just being overly cautious and and even you know using kind of the same equipment that Steph Curry uses because Steph Curry, if everyone remembers, his career looked almost over. Like like before he became an MVP. Yeah. It looked like his career was going to be over because of these ankle issues. So, yeah, I think being overly cautious here is fine. There, there's still a long, long way to go for this for the season and for his career. And Isaac's done some really good things. As long as he doesn't lose any of any of his athleticism and honestly any of his confidence, he'll be more than fine. Yeah, uh, that that sounds along the right lines to me. I, I did think it was more to do with just taking it easy with him and, and not putting any sort of undue. <laughs> strain or, or pressure on him in terms of his body but, but also on him as an individual because if a young player maybe feels that they can't perform to their optimum potential they might force things there's there, there's various psychological elements to that as well I suppose that you, you could probably go into um, yeah that's good that, that's good on the young players I think we share a sort of feeling and, and vibe of, of positivity that, that some things are coming together and other things will come together um, now let's look at some of the off-season acquisitions. Again, fairly young players, but the two that have seen significant minutes so far, Jerrion Grant, Jarrell Martin. How how do you feel they've been for the Magic so far, would you say? And I know it's still early, but I mean, do you see either guy going on to be a success in terms of the way the season's viewed? I mean, I get that they were both a bit of a punt and, and, and sort of stock-filling a bit, but, but how do you feel on them? Um, you know, Jarrell Martin, I think, has played about as well as you could hope for. Um, I think that he has, you know, I think expectations were low for him. He's been a bit of a grinder. I think he's taking too many three-pointers with, with the extended playing time he's getting now. Um, but but he's yep. kind of there, and, and I think the Magic know that if they need him in an emergency like this like this current moment, he's going to be out there, and he's whatever you can get from him is, is, is fine. I mean, he's, he's decent defensively. You know, not efficient offensively, and I, I think I think we kind of know know what he is. Jaron Grant, though, is, is a bit of a bigger mystery, I think, for this team. Mm, um, yeah. You know, he is at times really struggling to get the magic into their sets, um, struggling to know when he needs to give up the ball, even as the point guard, um, and, and keep the ball moving and, and and keep and keep the team going within the flow. I, I, you know, there's that stat that Zach Lowe had. Yeah, uh, in his, in his article about the about his touch time and dribbles per touch, and you know he's up there in in dribbles per touch. And you know I looked at I looked a little bit deeper into that. DJ Augustin's up there too, and and I don't think we'd say that DJ Augustin's been inefficient with his touch time and with his dribble time. So you know I, I don't think it it explains everything. But you watch Jaron Grant dribble, you watch him get the magic into their sets, and. There, and while he and DJ Augustin have virtually the same dribbles per touch and, and touch time, um, according to NBA.com's player tracking stats, I would say DJ Augustin's dribbles are more purposeful, where yeah. he's getting into the lane and probing and looking for passes, whereas Jaron Grant's dribbles uh, are stagnant, where he's kind of dribbling in place trying to set something up that's not being set up. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could say a lot about, I, I mean, certainly in Monday's game, I thought that was a big problem with both Jaron Grant and Jonathan Simmons, where they're they're dribbling but not really accomplishing much with their dribble. I mean, I remember when I was in high when I was in kind of middle school, high school. You know, I had a coach who said it's really you, you shouldn't need to dribble. There's only three reasons that you should dribble: to drive to the basket, 
to or to set up a to set up a pass or or to control the ball really. Uh, you know, dribble. You should keep dribbling. I mean, we ran a Princeton offense, so we weren't. You know, we were working more on cutting and screening than, than dribbling. Mm-hmm. Um, but dribbling, you know, needs to have purpose. If you're just kind of dribbling for no reason or not getting very very far, you're you're eating up time and, and, and you're and you're kind of slowing the offense down. I mean, the ball moves faster than the man, uh, for sure. So if you could get the ball passing and get the ball cutting, you know, especially because I think this offense should be a more cutting style offense, um, I, I think that that, you know, that is a positive thing. And so that's something I think Jaron Grant has really struggled with this year. And 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 as a backup point guard, that's a really important position uh, for him to be for for him to be in. And, and he has to, you know, with that bench squad, they really need efficient offense. They really need to kind of get into their sets and and work. Uh, through their sets as quickly as they can to get good shots because that group especially struggles. And, you know, Jaron Grant does a decent job getting to the rim and getting the, getting into the paint, but sometimes he doesn't. And, and that's when things really bog down for a bench that, that's had its struggles this year. So how long do you stick with him before you maybe give Briscoe a decent crack of the whip? Um, that is a good question. You know, I think that, you know, Briscoe will get his opportunity. I, I suspect that you know, if Jaron Grant, you know, Jaron Grant's coming off of two really good games, you know, before the Washington Yeah, he game, is, and by the he way, played shooting back the ball, to back really good games. Yeah, shooting the ball at a good clip all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's you know, he's he's a streaky three-point shooter, but but he's not a bad three-point shooter. And, you know, to all those other points, you know, Isaiah Briscoe is near the top of the league in dribbles per touch, too. Now, granted, that's, you know, in garbage time, so maybe those stats don't matter much, but... Are you, uh, you got to ask the question, are you really getting a whole lot different from Briscoe than you would Grant? Um, I think there will be a, a time where this ha- where that happens, but um, Grant is still, I think, the guy. Grant is still, I think, the, the better option in the guy, and I think the, the guy that the Magic will stick with for a little while. Hmm. Yeah, fair point. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Simmons. For me, and I'm not saying this in some sort of accusatory way, but I've been more disappointed with him than anyone in yeah. the roster so far this season. I just... I feel, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's maybe just the the sort of new plays and, and stuff that have been incorporated with the new coach coming in. don't know if it's that. Um, I always thought he was the guy that was, was the most reliable guy in the second unit last year where when things were looking bad, you'd give the ball to him and he'd get to the line or he'd get a decent two. You know, there, there would be something that he would do. Three was a bit inconsistent, but it's always going to be like that. Now, there's loads of reasons I love Jonathan Simmons. I thought when we got him, I was absolutely delighted. I thought he was great for the Spurs in the playoffs before we got him, the way that he got into the league, paying for a tryout and then securing the multi-million dollar contract. It's it's such a romantic story. But I just think, I, I don't know why, but it just hasn't gone right so far this year. I mean, what do you think has gone wrong there? You know, I think some of it is still... Uh, I think some of it is certainly still um, him recovering from the wrist injury. I mean, he really did not get the chance to play basketball this summer. Uh, you know, he was cleared for, for for basketball activities. I think it was two, three weeks before the season, before the, the training camp began. Yeah. Um, so he's still working himself in shape. And then I know, um, you know, it, some people would say, and, and they might be right, um, that this should really happen sooner. That he should develop uh, a, a little bit sooner. He should. Um, be more in rhythm than he is now. And, and that's perfectly fair to say, I think. Um, but I do think that that injury is still having an effect on him. Um, I think that, you know, he thinks very highly of himself. And that's good. I, you know, I think to be successful in this league, you need a little bit of an ego. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think he 
is playing a little bit too much into that, um, you know, if that makes sense. I think that he's um, trying to drive a little bit too much, too wildly, um, kind of getting himself into holes, trying to get, trying to force things a little bit more, um, because he, you know, knows that that's partly his role because he's, he's the best, he's the best playmaker, the best driver uh, in that group. Um, so, you know, I think Orlando, I think. Simmons is gun around into form. You know, he's never been the most efficient shooter, so I don't think that efficiency will ever be killer. But, you know, I think he'll round into form, and I think he'll be fine. But, you know, we're especially with the way Wesley Wundu's playing, a big part of, of the problem with Simmons is, you know, if you're going to struggle this much on offense, you need to make up for it in other ways. You need to find ways to impact the game, even if you're not scoring, you're scoring efficiently. Um, I think that that's something that Simmons has really struggled with this year. His defense is better than it was last year, but is that enough? You know, when when Isaac's back in the lineup, Iwundu I think is probably going to eat into some of Simmons' minutes. I, I just think that's that's reality because the Magic you know need production more than anything else. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that's wrong to say. Anyone else that's disappointed you so far? Um, disappointed. Um, Evan Fournier's gotten off to a slow start. Um, yeah. offensively, they they need his shooting. Uh, there's just no way around it. Uh, when he's been on, the Magic have been a better team. When he's struggled, you know, he he forces things. You know, I thought Monday night yeah. actually, um, he was forcing a lot of action. Uh, he was he was he was the one. You know, when the Magic were were trying to stay in that game, I thought Evan kind of gave in a little bit to frustration and took some bad shots because you know he kind of felt like it. it you know, I got I got to kind of force my team back into this with with Aaron a little bit out. Um, Vooch was struggling to, to to post up Jeff Green. Um, Fournier, I think, took some took some bad decision, made some bad decision shots, and you know he can make those shots, so it's not the end of the world. But um, he's really, I think, been inconsistent as a shooter, and, and that's something that the Magic just cannot afford at this point. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think part of that, not maybe so much in Monday's game, but but just generally, I, I think part of that has been, and, and the one thing that I really like about Evan Fournier is he's as frustrated as anyone when he's not playing well. So it's not it's not through any sort of he's he's not doing it through any lack of desire or anything like that. He's he's just not having a good night. He's just not had a good start to the season, but. I don't think there will be any lack of work ethic to get back to that. And I'm just wondering if it's almost that frustration at himself which maybe made him force it a little bit and, and maybe causes those bad decisions because it's almost like, you know what, I've been poor at the start of this season. I've got a point to prove here. Maybe this is my chance to prove that point. And I think there's a fine line there for all basketball players because if, if it's working for you doing that, then, then, then go ahead and do it. Go ahead and influence the game. But if it's not, then you've got to try and, and take yourself out of yourself a little bit and, and, and look at the at the bigger picture. And actually, even with one of the team's sort of more veteran players, as he is, despite his relative youth, I, I think the coaching staff need to, need to kind of manage that side of it as well. Because it's all well and good saying, yeah, it's about execution, but it's not. But it's not just that. There, there's, there's definitely more to it than that. And you have to... You have to be aware. You have to have an acute awareness of of trying to manage that side of it, and that's one thing that I've been pleased with the the impact of the new coaching staff and things like that. One thing that I haven't really seen fully yet is is that evidence that the the sort of fine tuning of the players is there yet. And yeah, by the way, Phil, I know it's early, but I just haven't seen too much evidence of that. Of sort of maybe fine tuning nuances of the respective players games, but that's probably because we're still finding the lineups and, and, and still trying sort of rotation changes and, and things out. So I do appreciate that, but I just think that's worth picking up on as well. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think, 
you know, I, I think that that this team is still figuring itself out, still coming together, still understanding what what Clifford, what Coach Clifford is asking them to do. So it, it, it's still a little bit of a process. I know everyone kind of wants things to happen immediately. Um, you know, I get a lot of questions about trades already, and usually my first response is it's too early to think about trades. Trades don't really open up till December. We'll explore it then, but you know, this team still needs to have the time to to, to get going, to get itself going, and and and. and you know, I think the results so far have been, you know, not killer, not, you know, stellar, but but encouraging. And, and, and I think that the yeah. team has, again, put itself in a position where they've they've been in most of the games they've played, which I think is a good, which is a moral victory in and of itself. They obviously need to win them. Um, but from there, they put themselves in the conversation for the East right now. And, and that's where they need to be at the moment. And, you know, if they can continue at this pace, if they can continue to, to improve, you know, they'll, they'll be in that conversation the rest of the year. And I think that's really... All fans can ask for. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My thanks again to Stuart Hodge for joining the podcast, giving us a a little bit more of a focused look at the team so far, helping us kind of break things down in that way. We'll have a second part uh, where we talk a little bit more about the future uh, and, and where this team goes from here, looking a little bit maybe further on to to those days later on in the season and where the Magic are at. That'll come in Friday's episode of Locked On Magic because uh, we got a game tomorrow, of course. And I, and I wanted to make sure that, that I ended today's show talking a little bit about Wednesday's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the, the, the team that the Magic are going to see on Wednesday is a very different team than the one that A, has been playing, and B, that the Magic saw uh, earlier in the year when the Magic lost by one point to Philadelphia. Uh, Certainly, I think the Magic maybe feel like perhaps they owe Philadelphia one for that one of J.J. Redick making a very difficult three-pointer to win that game. Uh, I thought it was a difficult three-pointer. Steve Clifford uh, saying after the game that, you know, that was an action we defended well all game long. We lost focus for just a split second, and it cost us the game. Um, The Magic certainly feeling like they left one on the board. Uh, but this Philadelphia team is playing extremely well. Um, they, they, they're establishing themselves, as everyone expected, as one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and there's just there's no getting around it. They're, they're a very good team. Um, overall this season, their offensive rating, uh, they're falling... 19th in offensive rating at 106.6. Actually, they're not playing that well. 106.7 defensive rating, so they have a negative net rating overall. Um, but that 106.7 defensive rating is ninth in the league. So uh, um, the Sixers are playing defense at a very, very high level, even if their offense isn't quite generating the oomph that 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 they want to see. Um, they're, but they're still obviously a very dangerous offensive team, as Orlando learned back back when. Um, a big a big part of I think Philadelphia's struggles somewhat, but but why they're still such a dangerous team has been Joel Embiid. Uh, while a lot of the Sixers have struggled a little bit, Joel Embiid is putting in a really fantastic season so far. 28.2 points per game, 13.4 rebounds per game. He's struggling to shoot from three, uh, and, and, and that's lowered his field goal percentage to 48.4%, still above his career marks. Um, but Embiid is a handful. Um, you know, I think someone was asking me about what Magic can do with, with Joel Embiid. Does he does he have, you know, space in Nikola Vucevic's head? And I was like, 
No, no, he just has space on the floor. He's just that good of a player. Just sucks up so much attention. And Orlando doesn't really have a guy that that can hang with him, uh, that, that can guard him. Certainly, you know, Mo Bamba, for as much as we're really, really excited about him, um, Mo Bamba isn't going to match him physically. I mean, Embiid has pushed him around plenty, both in that preseason game and in that first uh, and, and in that first matchup. Uh, and certainly, um, certainly, certainly as well, uh, the Magic, you know, as good as Nikola Vucevic has been, as smart as he is, he struggles a little bit getting out to three-point shooters, uh, even when they're popping out. Um, and, and you know, Embiid is a guy that, that can move Vucevic around as, as good as Vucevic has been on the defensive end. So it's it's a very difficult matchup. I, I wouldn't expect, I would expect Embiid to have a, a solid game. Um, and, and of course, this is a tough defense to crack and the Magic's offense, you know, while playing better, isn't exactly known for being fantastic uh, anyway. Uh, if there is a saving grace, um, it, it is that there is going to be a little level of unfamiliarity with this team. Um, you know, the the no one is really sure. Um, no one is really sure what um, this game is going to look like, or what this team is going to look like. No one is really sure. Um, how these things are going to mesh, or whether the bench can pick it up, whether losing Robert Covington, who was a big glue guy, is going to have a big effect on this team. Uh, you know, and, and then, of course, there's the ongoing drama with Markel Fultz, uh, his free throw jump. If you saw the video of his free throw, I, I hate to crack to crack on the kid, but you know, it, 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 it's not pretty. Um, you know, it's not textbook. If it goes in, who cares? But right now, he is really struggling. And, and so there are a lot of questions, I think, still about the Philadelphia team and why they needed to make the deal that they made. Yes, we're going to wait. I waited four and a half minutes here to talk about Jimmy Butler. Um, Jimmy Butler is obviously a, a fantastic player. He is someone that is really good, um, is going to be a difference maker, is going to make this team better, give them another offensive option, um, really help that offense get better. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it, 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 he is a great defender, so he'll fit in there. He is a solid scorer. He's a hard worker. He's going to help help that young team really grow up a lot, which I think part of their struggles this year are, you know, we, we were quick to anoint them. They're a very talented team, but they're still very, very young, and, and they've lost some key veterans along the way. So Butler, I think, is going to give them uh, some grounding if he's willing to take on that leadership role. And, and, and I think as we saw in Minnesota— He's willing to take on that leadership role. The question is whether the young guys are willing to put in the work to, to satisfy Butler. You know, maybe that's an impossible standard. Um, but if they all mesh, then they'll be in good. Then, then this is this is potentially a really good match and a really uh, strong team. Um, of course, we don't really know how this is going to work. Um, you know, and, and Butler was introduced in Philadelphia. I believe the Sixers were in Orlando. Um, with uh, their game in Miami. So it's still not 100% clear if Butler's even going to play Wednesday. I suspect he will. He's the kind of player you can just dump him and dump in and and he'll make things work. He's, he's a smart enough guy. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how everything works out uh, for the Sixers and, and Wednesday will really be the first test of that. Um, really, I think the big challenge for the Magic in this game, though, is containing Joel Embiid. If the Magic can, uh, can contain Embiid, get out to the Sixers shooters, They'll have a chance. I mean, they're, they, they've they've shown they can hang with these guys. 
Um, but they got to limit transition. They got to be efficient and effective on offense. They got to be really dialed into their game plan because Philadelphia is going to challenge them in a lot of ways uh, that, that will make things difficult. Um, it looks like Aaron Gordon will certainly play. Um, Jonathan Isaac has been upgraded to questionable, which suggests that he is closer to coming back. I, I, I suspect that Clifford will want to get him into a practice, um, and so the Magic will practice on Thursday and Friday. Um, and so I suspect that we will see Jonathan Isaac back in the lineup on Saturday rather than on Wednesday, but I could be surprised as well. So the Magic slowly getting back to, to whole um, and slowly, uh, hopefully, getting uh, their their roster and their rotation back in shape. Orlando is playing really, really well. I, I mean, I know that their opponents haven't been the strongest of late, but you got to beat the, the you got to beat the, these level levels of opponents. And you know, winning four of six, it, it's a small victory, but it is a victory. It is a good stretch, and I, I think Orlando has to feel some confidence heading into this game against Philadelphia, and we'll see if they can uh, get they can top them. That tip-off is at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. Be sure to check out Locked On Magic tomorrow for a complete recap of the game. Check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well for a recap of that game. We'll talk all about that on tomorrow's episode. We'll finish up our interview with Stuart, or our, our discussion with Stuart Hodge on Friday's episode of Locked On Magic, so be sure to check that out as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can also uh, subscribe to podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.